Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, even amid the Great Recession with large numbers of people walking away from their jobs, new research finds a surprisingly high level of career optimism among workers. We'll dig into the numbers. Also this morning, to your health, colorectal cancer is the third most common form of the disease, and did you know that it can be hereditary? Happening around town, it's time again to go bowling for kids and more to benefit the children's mentoring connection. We have details. And in case you missed it from last week, good deeds done with goodwill, sharing the good news. How you can be part of making the backyard mission trip happen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, April 4th, 2022. Lots of reasons to celebrate today. If you need a reason to celebrate, it is International Beaver Day, uh, National Beer Day. wonder if that has anything to do with uh, opening day. You know, first day of the baseball season, beer and baseball just seem to go together. So, in National Beer Day, National Coffee Cake Day, World Health Day, it is Public Television Day, National Pet Health Insurance Day, Empowered Women Entrepreneurs Day. It is Metric System Day. National No Housework Day. And National Burrito Day. So, and that's to say nothing of the fact that it is opening day of the Major League Baseball season. So, really excited to have baseball, first of all. Because for a while, it looked like maybe there wouldn't be a season or maybe it would be uh, delayed much further, but uh, get underway today. The Cleveland Guardians at Kansas City. going to be the inaugural opening day for the Cleveland Guardians. So uh, you could make that, since it's National Beer Day, you could make that a drinking game. You know, in the middle of the afternoon, uh, take a drink every time one of the Announcers on television or on the radio uh, slips up and calls them the Indians. <laughs> take, take a drink. <laughs> and if they use the slang term, the tribe, then you got to chug. That's <laughs> that a drinking game. Uh, so it is, uh, you know, that's the big buzz of the offseason is the change of the name of the Cleveland Indians to the Cleveland Guardians. Now, and um, a lot of people not happy about that, either not happy because they changed their name at all, or then there's the camp that's not so much upset that the Indians changed their name, but they're not wild about the Guardian's name. They would have liked something else. I thought this was uh, kind of interesting on a related note. Matt Snyder wrote a piece for CBS Sports earlier this week for the opening of the minor league baseball season, and uh, he was talking about team names and how in the minors they are much more creative than in the major leagues in the major leagues frankly all of the names are rather boring comparatively speaking he uh went through and cited his favorite team names across the minor leagues and uh, he broke it down by level of play for example in uh, low a ball he cited the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles. <laughs> muscles as in, not like bodybuilding muscles, but the shelled marine creature. The Mighty Muscles 
of Fort Myers. Um, and also the Down East Wood Ducks. Uh, let's see here in uh, High A Ball, the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, the Tri-City Dust Devils, and the, uh, the Beloit Sky Carp. But his favorite was the Greensboro Grasshoppers. I got to admit, I like that. I really like that Greensboro Grasshoppers. It just kind of rolls off the tongue. And uh, it's almost an homage to the Grasshoppers sound like one of those old time vintage baseball team names. You know, so it is that it's and it's very unusual. And I really like that one. Greensboro Grasshoppers Uh, in double A ball. Uh, his favorites are the Hartford Yard Goats, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, the Akron Rubber Ducks, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, and the Amarillo Sod Poodles, <laughs> which apparently in Texas is another name for a uh, prairie dog. Uh, the Sod Poodles. <laughs> Amarillo. I love that. And his uh, favorites... Among AAA teams, the Sugarland Space Cowboys, the El Paso Chihuahuas, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, the Albuquerque Isotopes, and the grand champion of all minor league baseball team names, the Toledo Mudhens. So, some things are just classic. So, there you go. I think that uh, the Guardians... The Cleveland baseball team could have appropriated any one of those. <laughs> the the uh, Cleveland sod poodles. I think that, that would have been good. I like that. Anyway, so the opening day of the baseball season. Some of the first things you need to know this morning to get your uh, Thursday morning started. Uh, some folks at NBC News are not too happy. MSNBC, the network's cable channel has hired or will hire White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki whenever she decides to leave the administration, the current administration. She's got a job waiting for her at MSNBC. And some at NBC News are not happy. This is according to a report uh, that was uh, published on CNN's website, uh, which says that NBC News President Noah Oppenheim had a uh, phone call, a conference call about the issue with staffers in their Washington bureau, some of whom had complained, saying that Jen Psaki's hiring tarnishes the network's reputation. Uh, Mr. Oppenheim, first of all, cited the distinction between NBC News and MSNBC's opinion programming and uh, said that NBC News did not have a role in her hiring. But while it's not uncommon for government officials and politicians to reach deals with news organizations when they leave their positions, in this case... The staff is unhappy because news of her negotiations with the network came out while she was still the White House press secretary. Plus, instead of the more usual role for those types of figures, they usually come in and become a political analyst or something along those lines. Uh, MSNBC reportedly intends to have Jen Psaki host her own show on the streaming Peacock platform. Uh, Some NBC News journalists were first bothered when MSNBC back in January announced the hiring of Simone Sanders, the former senior spokesperson for 
Vice President Kamala Harris to host her own show on the weekend. So apparently this has been uh, bubbling for quite some time. And now they're uh, not happy with the uh, hiring of Jen Psaki before she even leaves the White House. That is a little unusual. Uh, stay tuned on that one. Kind of it. Uh, here is apparently we just skirted death earlier this week. Scientists say an asteroid the size of a small house zoomed by Earth on Tuesday. NASA says the asteroid came about one-third of the way between the moon and the Earth. Um, the asteroid, dubbed 2022 GN1, was estimated to be almost 56 feet long and traveling at about 34,000 miles per hour. I would have done some damage if it had hit the planet. The founder and scientific director of the Virtual Telescope Project says GN1 posed no risk to people and instead gave scientists the chance to learn more about space rocks because it was so close. But, I, don't know. I always get nervous whenever they uh, have those reports of an asteroid coming close. I don't know why it is. Uh, let's see. A couple of other uh, items among the first things that you need to know this morning. The Forbes list of billionaires is adding a couple of new names for the first time. Rihanna, the singer, Rihanna, is worth $1.7 billion now. She's new on the list, thanks in large part to her cosmetics and fashion business. And Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson also makes his debut after selling his stake in his digital film special effects shop. Other celebrities making the cut this year, and this is the list of billionaire celebrities. Uh, other celebrities making the cut, Steven Spielberg, Jay-Z, Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, Kim Kardashian, and Kanye West. So, the entertainers uh, that are on Forbes billionaires list. By the way, speaking of uh, billionaires, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, in a first-of-its-kind study, Scientists at the German Institute for Economic Research and the University of Münster, they now say, and they've done studies on this, they now say that there is a personality type for very rich people, and it might not be what you think. I mean, I think most of us, when we picture the uber-rich, we have this image in our mind, not unlike... Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, miserable, miserly, you know, just kind of evil almost. Well, these uh, scientists, however, say millionaires instead tend to be more extroverted, more open, more risk tolerant, more conscientious and more emotionally stable than the rest of us. These are very admirable qualities. Especially evident in self-made millionaires, the experts say, rather than those who merely inherited their fortune. Using polls from thousands of wealthy Germans, again, this is a study in Germany. Using polls from thousands of wealthy Germans, the researchers also noted that even non-millionaires who have done well for themselves, like successful small business owners, tend to exhibit these same positive attributes. Taken together, the scientists say, the results suggest that personality is a relevant factor in wealth accumulation. It was kind of a chicken and an egg thing, you would think. Are they wealthy because they are extroverted and open and conscientious and emotionally stable? Certainly uh, being more risk tolerant 
allows you to accumulate wealth than if you are more cautious. But uh, kind of interesting, are they rich because of those qualities or do they have those qualities because they're rich? Well, uh, this these researchers believe it is the former. Uh, let's see here. The uh, researchers say since the rich wield particular influence over societal decision making and since personality has a determining influence on the way people think and behave, the investigation of the millionaires of millionaires personality traits is of great social relevance. They're just kind of interesting. Something to think about there. Um, you have all of the uh, rich people that you know, the uh, filthy rich people that you know. And uh, their personalities, they match up with that. Kind of interesting there. Some of the first things you need to know to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather showers off and on again today with a high of 53. A chance of rain and snow showers tonight, a low of 36. The next few days will be very emotional for people in Bluffton and all across the area as the funeral services for fallen Bluffton officer Dominic Francis will be held. His visitation will be held today at Corey Rawson High School Auditorium. Then his funeral service will be held on Friday at the Summer Center at Bluffton University. Burial will follow at Clymer Cemetery. Last week, Officer Francis was hit and killed by a fleeing vehicle while deploying spike strips on I-75 near Bluffton. The Fort Finley FOP Lodge has established an official fundraising drive authorized by his family. We have a link to it on the website. Several Hancock County agencies are collaborating on a community forum to bring awareness about the importance of second chances for those returning to the community after being in jail or prison. Claire Osborne is with the local nonprofit Focus. It's a lot of different agencies coming together, specifically Focus and Welcome to a New Life. Really got things started back in January, and then we were so grateful to work with Hancock Public Health and Hope House. A new vision is providing us the awesome and amazing space, so... You can get more on the community forum and the resources the organizations offer on the website. Since the redistricting commission has failed to fairly redraw district lines for Ohio House and Senate races, the May 3rd primary will be incomplete. Governor Mike DeWine says he doesn't want the confusion to stop people from voting. What people need to remember is everything is going to be on the ballot in May except legislative districts and state central committee districts. Governor DeWine is a member of the redistricting commission submitting the unconstitutional maps. He defends the proposed districts, saying they're in line with what voters wanted. That's WTOL 11's Michael Sandlin. Troopers with the Highway Patrol are going viral for rescuing a dog that was wandering through heavy traffic on a highway in southern Ohio. As you heard there, the video ends with troopers reunited the dog with its owner, who said they've been chasing the pooch for more than an hour. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, given the number of employers that are out there with unfilled positions they are desperate to fill, workers have taken notice. The so-called quits rate has been historically high for the past year or so because people are confident they can leave their job and have no trouble finding another one. But that's not to say that they necessarily want to. Joining us is John Woods. He is chief academic officer for the University of Phoenix with some key findings of their newly released Career Optimism Index survey. So first of all, John, tell us about the Career Optimism Index and what some of the key findings were here. 
Yeah, absolutely. We surveyed for the second year in a row now 5,000 employees across the United States uh, to try and get a, a better understanding of their perceptions of uh, career, uh, career challenges, uh, career trajectory. Um, we also surveyed 500 employers across the country, and we could identify through those two different samples differences in opinion between employees and employers. And you're absolutely right in your introduction when you say people are leaving at record numbers, even when they don't have a next job lined up. And that really speaks to an optimism, a grit, a determination. Uh, you know, people feel good about their prospects. But uh, many of them say they would stay and uh, would prefer to stay even if employers just did things a little bit differently. And uh, why employers would do things differently, as you said, there's a huge cost to having unfilled positions, a right. loss in productivity. Uh, many reasons why employers should pay attention to these results and um, try and do a better job of keeping their people. One of the things that stood out to me in the numbers, 40% of Americans say that the COVID-19 pandemic has taken their career off course. So what are some of the challenges that these Americans are facing? Despite the fact that they have this optimism, uh, there is still an underlying concern. What are some of the challenges that they feel they are facing? There are a number of challenges. Uh, you're, you're right. The uh, the perception of the American worker that we see in these survey results is uh, um, the, the challenges are around training and development, first and foremost, that they wish their employee, employers provided more opportunities to, uh, to help them to grow, uh, to, to develop. They would want to stay with the organization if they got those things. I think they could better serve organizations. That's a big one. Interestingly, though, the companies that we surveyed um, at, at almost 90% think that they're providing these. So a big, huge disconnect between mm. what they're actually doing and what employees think they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and that's a big opportunity, something they're already doing. It doesn't even have to necessarily cost them more. Uh, it's just a communication gap, really. Uh, that was actually going to be the, the next question. What can employers do then, again, based on the results of what you see uh, in this survey, what can employers do to hang on to the workers that they have to attract workers to fill the positions they need to fill and uh, maybe to win workers back? Yeah, as, uh, as we talked about, the difference between having lost productivity and the cost of that uh, loss against uh, paying attention to a couple of these things that they need to do differently to maybe re remain more fully staffed and have workers who are more satisfied, more engaged, feeling less stressed, needing less uh, support in terms of uh, mental health resources. There's a win on both sides of this for everybody by paying attention to a few things. And one is obviously that uh, training and development function. Mm -hmm. uh, the world of work is changing and, and people want to know that their skills aren't going to become outmoded and they're not going to be surprised with a lost job. They want to, uh, they want to feel that if that training and development is provided, that their employer cares about them. Uh, it will make them feel uh, more engaged and, and more loyal. So you've got five areas that you identify as areas of challenge for employers. Uh, you mentioned training, uh, training that can lead to job security. Uh, compensation is in there. There's an interesting disconnect there. Uh, advocacy and mental health are the others. Kind of break those yeah. down. Sure. 
compensation, uh, you might think, is always going to be a bit of a disconnect. Em- employers thinking they're paying enough, employees thinking they're they're not being paid enough. What's interesting in this survey is that 30% uh, difference between those perceptions. So 86% of employers think that their workers are satisfied with comp, when in actual reality, uh, they're not. And 56% are not only not satisfied with comp, um, they're living paycheck to paycheck, which mm-hmm. creates a tremendous amount of insecurity about uh, about their career, about uh, uh, you know the, their feelings of, of value to the organization. Um, it, it makes them one wonder if they're in the right place. So that's a, a big disconnect. Advocacy, I think, is uh, a, really takes several forms, but the most obvious form is an employer that pays attention to the professional life. Of one of one of their workers and helps them to grow and develop and see a pathway doing more and different things for the organization. So 91% of employers think that their employees have somebody in their life who does this for them, but only 63% of employees agree with that. So a nearly 30 uh, point uh, difference yeah. in that area. And then uh, mental health. A lot of these things are are parts of uh, really causes. Of, uh, of mental health issues. Employers at, at record rates are providing mental health resources, um, but employees are not always taking advantage of them. So less than half of employees take advantage of the resources that are provided to help them manage work-related stress. Yeah, I, I That thought- might be a communication gap. And, and in addition to a communication gap, it might be workers feeling that uh, a sense of uh, that there could be some stigma to taking advantage of those yeah. resources. Yeah, I, I thought what was really interesting here is not just the areas of disconnect, but the percentages, how wide those gaps are, which is certainly worth noting. Um, you were talking about uh, the the fear among many workers that their job skills become outdated due to advancements in technology. A large number of employees say that they have already seen that in their uh, workplace, uh, if not their own jobs, uh, the jobs of those uh, around them. And I, I suppose if there is that sense that Perhaps the employer is not necessarily uh, doing all that employees would like for them to do in in those areas, especially in terms of preparing uh, their workers for long term career success. Then, how do employees sort of take the take the reins and uh, do this for themselves? Right, and and exactly what you just described. Uh, four in ten feel that their skills might become outdated because of advancements in in technology. Uh, one in three say that's already happened to them uh, in very recent times. Uh, this was up 10 points from 2021. And then 80% uh, said that it's important for their employer to provide uh, these opportunities for upskilling. And so, again, put against the cost of lower productivity and open positions and high turnover, employers need to, to pay particular attention to this. This is it's training and it's development, it's upskilling, but it is clearly sending a message to employees about their their value and their worth and, and someone paying attention to, to them and their, and their career development that goes a long way to people uh, feeling more engaged and, and more loyal. So that which has a cost 
has an offsetting benefit for companies as well. Yeah, and uh, again, to circle back, like with the uh, mental health uh, issues, it also uh, is a, an impetus on on some of the employees to take advantage of the resources that do exist and for employers to make sure that uh, they are making their employees aware of the opportunities for career uh, training or um, uh, advancement to make sure that employees are aware of those opportunities. Right. Communication comes through as being probably yeah. one of the biggest reasons for these, uh, these gaps in the, in the data between what companies are, are, are telling us and what employees are telling us. Mm. Really fascinating stuff. John Woods, again, chief academic officer for the university of Phoenix, talking about their newly released career optimism index survey. Where do folks uh, learn more about this and maybe dig into the numbers a little deeper to uh, learn more about the insights from uh, this research? It's all available on our website. We can uh, go there and understand maybe why 81% of workers are still really hopeful about their careers. Um, at phoenix.edu slash career hyphen institute. So all that information is there. And we've even organized this information so people can look at it by different cities and and different demographics. We will link it up on our webpage uh, as well. John, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Great. Thank you for the time today. To your health this morning, more than 52,000 people will die from colorectal cancer in the U.S. this year, according to the American Cancer Society. It is the third most common cancer in America, with roughly 151,000 cases diagnosed each year. And did you know it can be hereditary? Solomon Moscovich is general manager of oncology at Natera with us uh, this morning. Does that mean that there is a gene that can be a predictor for colorectal cancer? Yes, that's right. Uh, most people are familiar with the breast cancer gene that predisposes them to, uh, to getting breast cancer, but many people don't know that there's a very similar set of genes that can predispose people to getting colorectal cancer. Is there uh, any way to find out uh, if you have uh, that gene, like through a DNA test? Will that tell you? Yes. So, first of all, uh, it's important to know that uh, if somebody is a carrier of one of these genes, then the risk for getting colorectal cancer is about 10 times higher than your average person, uh, really up to 40 or even up to um, 80% chance, uh, based on certain other factors, for getting colorectal cancer in one's lifetime. That's very high, and it's worth knowing about if somebody is carrying one of those genes. So the way to find out about that is to do a blood test. Uh, Natera offers a blood test called Empower, uh, which will uh, indicate, the, uh, indicate whether somebody is a carrier of one of those genes. And if they are, there's something you can do about it. You know, you can start screening earlier, uh, and, and the most important thing to overcoming cancer is early detection. So it's important for people to arm themselves with this information. Now, my understanding uh, with this is that this is especially helpful to monitor for colorectal cancer recurrence, correct? Right. So people who are uh, among the highest risk for cancer are those who've already had the disease. Mm -hmm. Right. So about 20 to 30 percent of people with uh, cancer diagnosis are likely to recur, usually within the first five years. And there's a separate test available. Uh, it's actually a brand new technology um, available to test for cancer recurrence. Um, now, that test is called Signatera. 
because it looks for uh, the signature of that tumor floating around in the blood. Uh, and so, again, that's a simple blood test. It is covered now by Medicare as well um, for early-stage colorectal cancer. And this is super important because Signaterra can detect recurrence months or even years earlier than it becomes evident on a scan. So, again, circling back to what you were saying uh, earlier, early detection being the key, as with all cancers, and for that matter, uh, any serious disease, early detection always leads to the best outcomes. So being able to detect this not just weeks or months, but perhaps years in advance, uh, it's easy to see why that would be a a pretty significant development. Uh, This is is a huge deal for people uh, for two big reasons. Number one, most people are not going to recur. Um, and for those people, you know, they're often living under a cloud of anxiety and it's hard to get on with your life. So this can bring a real great peace of mind to most people who have, uh, have finished their battle with cancer. But for the 20 to 30 percent of people who are going to recur, as you said, earlier detection is the key. It's going to enable an earlier intervention and the biggest chance at a cure. Now, you bring up a good point that uh, most people will not recur. And uh, similarly, just because you have the gene uh, that we were talking about earlier does not necessarily mean that you are going to develop colorectal cancer. So aside from that genetic marker, who is most at risk? Right, you're absolutely right. So people who are at highest highest risk for getting cancer um, generally, uh, it's associated with older age, you know, over 45 to 50. Um, that's when colonoscopies uh, are usually recommended to begin. Mm-hmm. Though there has been an alarming trend of younger and younger people um, in their 30s and early 40s uh, getting, uh, getting colorectal cancer. Number two, uh, people with a family history of cancer, especially uh, parents uh, uh, who have gotten cancer early in their, early in their lives. Number three, uh, people who are carriers of one of these genes. Um, and number four, people who have already had cancer in the past are definitely at higher risk. Now, as we say with every medical topic that we discuss uh, on the program, the best source of information is going to be your doctor uh, who can evaluate your particular situation. So what would uh, individuals or what should individuals discuss with respect to this with their physician? What kind of conversations, what kind of questions should we ask? All right, so two key things here. For people who have never been diagnosed with cancer, but who may have a family history, and go in, make sure you're doing your annual physical exams. I think a lot of people probably missed their doctor's appointments over the last two years sure. with coronavirus. Talk to your doctor about what tests are available to assess if you might be at an increased risk. And then number two, for patients who have been diagnosed with cancer, talk to your oncologist, talk to your cancer surgeon about getting the Signaterra test to inform your risk of recurrence. Uh, again, Solomon Moscovich is a general manager of oncology at Natera, uh, talking about uh, colorectal cancer, the prevalence, and new testing that can lead to even earlier diagnosis uh, of uh, cancer or recurrence of colorectal cancer. As we mentioned, your doctor is going to be the best source of information, but that being said, where can folks get more uh, information in a, in a general sense? You have a website where we can guide folks. Yes, please visit Natera's website. That's N-A-T-E-R-A.com. Learn about the tests available uh, to protect yourself and your loved ones. 
and talk to your doctor. Get tested and protect yourself. Solomon, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. You know, later on this month, the Backyard Mission trip will uh, happen. And it's another one of those events that uh, the pandemic kind of threw a monkey wrench in the past couple of years. And uh, so it is uh, great to reboot this. The uh, tagline, the uh, the mission statement, I guess, if you will, of the Backyard Mission trip is good deeds done with goodwill, sharing the good news. And you can be among the neighbors helping neighbors making it all happen. In case you missed it, last week, Courtney Comstock and Carl Hemminger dropped by the studio to tell us more about this year's Backyard Mission trip. First of all, the uh, Backyard Mission trip is happening when? Saturday, April 30th. And the big push right now is to uh, get volunteers. Yes, that's what we're looking for, volunteers that can help on home projects, spring cleanup, things like that. So Mm -hmm. light carpentry, electrical, any of those skills. So what is involved uh, with the the volunteers? I know there are a number of projects uh, that kind of run the gamut. You can do multiple things to get involved. You can, like he was saying, the home improvements. If you have a skilled labor, we do... um, help with yard work, those types of things throughout. So, I mean, the volunteers are essential to help out the neighboring communities. But you don't have to have any special skills necessarily in no, order to No, we encourage children to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as Keep America Beautiful affiliates know, going out and cleaning up the roadways help out. So we're just asking now to get involved with Backyard Mission. Come help clean up the yards, paint some fences, help with the electrical if you can. Maybe, you know, your neighbor needs some new steps and hasn't been able to be able to do it. That's what that's what we want to do is work together. And you will match uh, individuals who have certain abilities, certain specialized skills with projects that need uh, someone specialized you know, with that. Right. When they get into the website, they log in what knowledge and stuff they have. So yeah. if you have a certain skill and we have projects for you, we're happy to get you assigned and team you up. So to have those team leaders ready to dive in and help coordinate these things, again, the volunteers are essential to this successful program. How many years? This is what, the 10th year? Yeah, it's 10th year. I was going to say, I thought I didn't want to say that for Not sure. But really yeah. counting COVID. We're really glad to be back in person this mm-hmm. year post COVID. Talk about the the, uh, the uh, inspiration for this or the the mission behind the mission, if you will. This, this grew out of a, a project that came out of, of College First Church of Christ that they, they were looking of rather than going out of town uh, down to the Caribbean or something on a mission trip, mm-hmm. we've got needs at home and let's just kind of uh, take a day and, and help our neighbors, either uh, members of our church or just uh, neighbors uh, neighbors around our church that are in the shadow of our steeple. And so uh, uh, Pastor Bill Rice and Judge Fry kind of kicked this off, and it's just grown into a, a community event. La, uh, two years ago, we had about 35, 37 churches involved. So it's mm-hmm. not all not all church-related, but we try to focus and, and use that as the core group. But uh, other community groups are, are participate, Boy Scout troops, uh, companies, uh, some of the fraternal organizations, 4-H get involved. So it, it's an actual community event now. I would imagine that the benefit for the, to the community is twofold. In number one, uh, individuals who are in need get some projects done that they need help with, uh, which is you know on the tangible level. But then intangibly, it also 
really opens our eyes to the number of individuals within the community that are in need of help. Yes, and we'll take on about 200 projects mm. uh, on the big day. We'll have a few left over uh, that we can't get around to, but, it, but we, it's a major endeavor to, to, to helping those, those homeowners. Yeah, and I know everyone who participates uh, gets an awful lot out of it. Yes, we usually kick it off with a prayer meeting and breakfast in the morning. Uh, we are going to do that again on April 30th. Okay. We'll be kicking off and then getting everybody their supplies and off to start their day. And we'll, of course, give them the coupons again so that they can get lunch and uh, continue with their good service. It, it does give you a, a good feeling to know that you have helped out a neighbor. And not that the uh, you know mission trips to other nations in need or other communities in need aren't important, but... Uh, to to know that you have stepped up to help someone right in your own backyard, uh, there is something special with that. Yep, exactly. And we're also blessed to, to be able to partner with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, that some of the bigger projects that might be submitted, we don't have the, the capacity, the skills to do that. So so we partner with Habitat, and they take those on, and then they they're, they work on those critical repairs then through the year also. So they're a great partner. We have other great partners. The city is stepping up to, to provide support, logistical support. The county is great. Uh, some of the corporate uh, sponsors, too, or McDonald's and, and things are great. So we couldn't – it's a community event. We couldn't do it out with everyone. Literally hundreds of projects will be addressed on this uh, on this one day the backyard mission trip uh, coming up at the end of april and again the big push right now is for volunteers those who can uh, spend a, a few hours to uh, help out their neighbors how do folks do that how do they sign up probably the easiest way is to go to to our website findlaybmt.com uh, a lot of our volunteers will be coming through churches so we're hoping to get the churches involved and mm-hmm. uh, a team leader will be at each church and they can put together their team uh, from their congregation and go that way too but if you don't uh, have a a church if you are not a part of congregation or your church is not participating on that level you can still volunteer individually if you're a free agent we'll take you we'll we'll put you on a team we've got some team leaders that are looking for some pickups and uh, come off the bench and go out and take on a project and again Courtney as you mentioned no special skills are necessarily involved if you can operate a rake you're in good shape (laughs) absolutely we want to get the whole family involved the way to help the neighbors is to to team up and we need to be sure we're teaching our youth that as well yeah. and, and we need volunteers for hospitality too courtney's in charge of hospitality events so if, if you want to help serve some coffee and things like that well, she's a very uh, hospitable person she surely so. is and that's why she's a match uh and it could be as simple as being on a team and talking to the homeowner some of these are older people just like having a having being able to have a conversation so absolutely so takes everybody Again, part of our conversation with Courtney Comstock and Carl Hemminger about the upcoming Backyard Mission trip at the end of April. They are still looking for volunteers. If you would like to learn more, we've got the link up for more information at our webpage, goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services, of course. Item number one, today's broken news report uh, comes from Florida, of course, where Beatrice Bijou, age 31, is facing multiple charges after allegedly striking four people in a parking lot with her car. Now, the twist on this story um, is that uh, Ms. Bijou is a personal injury attorney. (laughs) 
maybe she was just trying to drum up business. I'm not sure. She uh, was reportedly driving at about 35 miles an hour through the uh, parking lot, made no attempt to slow down during the attack. Uh, this is according to police report. And uh, they claim at one point surve surveillance video shows her reversing at a high rate of speed before she allegedly tried to strike another pedestrian. Uh, she has uh, since been disbarred after the state Supreme Court granted the Florida bar an emergency request to suspend her law license. She is being held without bail after pleading not guilty to one count of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, a count of high speed or wanton fleeing and evading and four counts of attempted murder. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Maybe she was just trying to drum up some business uh, there. It's... <laughs> Oh, uh, my. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, people doing dumb things behind the wheel, a man in Utah being cited after he drove his truck into someone's home. Police say the incident happened Tuesday evening, and the reason the driver failed to navigate a turn is because he was watching a YouTube video on his cell phone at the time. The truck crossed over the lawn of one home and barreled into a second house, Smashing through the garage wall. Fortunately, no one was injured inside the house. The truck driver, however, was taken to the hospital with minor injuries. <laughs> you really should have known better, don't you think? I mean, that's one of those things. Speaking of people who should have known better, police in Bellevue, Washington, say a tree removal job went very wrong this past Monday. Uh, the uh, man who owned the 140-foot Douglas fir tree says he was hoping to get it cut down in exchange for the wood. Uh, so just uh, offered, hey, it's free uh, wood, firewood or whatever. Somebody can come and, uh, and cut it down. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out the way he expected. It ended up destroying his neighbor's home <laughs> when the tree fell. Uh, the man with the tree on his property said he posted online asking someone to do the job and a person came by Monday to do it despite the windy conditions. Should have been the first to signal that something was wrong. About a half hour into the process, the person cutting the tree down said the situation was out of control and suggested calling in a full tree removal crew. But it was too late because the tree ended up falling onto the neighbor's home. Destroyed about half of his neighbor's home. A problem tree specialist says people need to watch out for those who work without a license, are not bonded, and have no insurance. Luckily, no one hurt in the incident. <laughs> oh, all kinds of signs that that was going to end badly. You know what I mean? That was... I could have seen that coming. Uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news this morning, police in Michigan are on the hunt for a seven-foot-tall metal Sasquatch. <laughs> State police in Michigan say that the lawn ornament was stolen last month from a property in St. Joseph's County Park Township. Uh, investigators say it looks like it was cut from a post using bolt cutters or a similar tool. Witnesses say a white van was seen in the area of the metal mythical creature before turning around in the victim's driveway and leaving. So, mysterious white van making off with a metal Sasquatch. All kinds of conspiracy theories there. Maybe it was the real Sasquatch who was driving the white van. I don't know. And finally, the broken news this morning from the International File. 
A construction worker in Dublin, Ireland is in trouble after he was caught dropping a bag of his own droppings off of a crane and onto a nearby building. (laughs) That's just gross. Whole thing was caught on video and quickly went viral on social media. The footage shows the man revealing a plastic bag filled with uh, his own uh, doo-doo. While standing in the cab of a crane, a roll of toilet paper is clearly visible inside the crane. Man, well, I guess if you're high up in the air like that and you got to go, what do you what do you do? I don't... Anyway, the man in a separate video swings the tied bag above the skyline of the city before slowly dropping it onto a rooftop below the crane while chuckling to himself. The bag plops onto the roof right next to a skylight. And uh, leaves a very ugly mess. Spokesperson for the Crane Company say they took immediate action over the highly regrettable incident. They said uh, a statement from the company says, as soon as we became aware of this incident, this individual was removed from the job site and will not work on any of other our other sites in the future. We also carried out a safety check and remedial hygiene uh works uh, to the uh, adjacent building and we requested the social media companies involved remove the content from their platforms. Oh man. That's just broke. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news report. Uh, this update on the odd and unusual side of the news. It certainly is that this morning. Brought to you as a public service more or less of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN invites you to join us Friday morning for the funeral service to honor the memory of the life of Bluffton police officer Dominique Dom Francis. The 11-year veteran of the Bluffton force was killed in the line of duty on March 31st. In addition to his law enforcement background, Dom was active with Corey Rawson High School as a teacher, coach, and bus driver. The service will take place at the Bluffton University Summer Center Friday morning at 11 with live coverage here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. There is so much programming out there on streaming services these days that a new survey from Nielsen, the uh, TV ratings people, found that nearly half of all viewers feel overwhelmed by having so many choices. Uh, 50 or, or 46% uh, was the actual number. 46%, nearly half, say they feel overwhelmed. And I have to say, uh, I was, I felt this uh, the other day after the uh, Academy Awards, uh, Coda won Best Picture, and I thought, uh, boy, that really looks like a good film. And uh, I was watching the uh, trailer and and all of that, and say it must be a really good film. I'd love to watch that. And it turns out it's on Apple TV and. We don't subscribe to Apple TV. So it's like, oh, here's another subscription service that I got just to watch that one film. 46% of Americans say they feel overwhelmed by having so many choices in the streaming wars. The continued growth in content has also led to an increase in time that people spend streaming up 18% in February from a year earlier. But despite feeling overwhelmed by content, respondents say they do not plan on cutting back the number of uh, streaming services they subscribe to. 93%, 93% said that they plan to keep the paid streaming services they have or even add more over the course of the next year. 
But with so much content available, this I thought was kind of interesting. 64% in the survey say that they would be interested in a bundled service that allows access to several different platforms with one subscription fee as long as they are able to choose which content they want. So kind of interesting. And a lot of cable companies are saying, hmm, bundling. Uh, We had that idea generations ago and people said that they didn't like it. Well, now... I guess situation has changed somewhat. Well, here it is. Time to go bowling for kids once again. And that's not all for the Children's Mentoring Connection. Stacy Shaw is with us uh, from CMC. Uh, Stacy, thanks very much for uh, joining us, first of all. Uh, bowling for Kids is coming up here in a couple of weeks, right? Yes, that's... absolutely. Good morning. Thank you for having us in. So um, we will be back at Sportsman's Lane in the weekman- weekend format, and so that will be April 23rd and 24th. Okay, so uh, is still time for people to sign up for yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So our Sunday spots are full, but we have lots of openings yet on Saturday. So. All right. And what is involved in uh, signing up for that? Yeah, so when you sign up for a team, it's team of five and you uh, just either give us a call or you can check on our website and sign up that way. Um, And your team of five will come and you'll get a a shirt, shoes are included. You get to bowl a game. You raise pledges to help us support um, our mentoring program, which is free to the kids. So that's the way for us to be able to do that. And a lot of times people will have like coworkers. You get a a business, uh, you know, to put on the team, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be uh, just a, a club, a group of friends, really anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the fun thing about it. It's it's family fun, but mm-hmm. it's also um, businesses year after year will support it. Yeah. We have a few um, internal battles that we have some extra <laughs> trophies say. that we do. Yeah. So we have um, a battle of the banks that we've had for a long time. Right. Um, and we also have a battle of the brokerages, which is new this year. So we've got some really stiff competition going on to see who's going to bring home that trophy. <laughs> um, so we're excited to add that. And then we also added a couple of years ago, the battle of the high school mentors, which is sort of how Millstream got involved. Very cool. And we mentioned that it's not just bowling for kids anymore. That is the traditional fundraiser. But here uh, now for the second year, uh, we've added a cornhole for kids uh, event. Yes. You have some folks here uh, representing the cornhole tournament. Yes. So um, we have Bowling for Kids Plus is now how we have it. So if you don't want to bowl in person, you can do a cornhole tournament at home or you can do disc golf or you can actually check out bowling pins that we have to take to your home or place of business. Um, so, <laughs> okay. so it's a lot of fun and we've seen a lot of creativity and and along with the lines of creativity was Millstream Career Center last year. Uh, I was talking with uh, one of the teachers there at the teaching professions, Jackie Gleason, and she said, hey, we have an idea. We want to do a cornhole for kids tournament. So they started the first annual cornhole for kids tournament last year. Um, it gives them the opportunity to work with the entire Millstream department. So uh, who do we have with us uh, here today with the uh, Cornhole for Kids uh, tournament? Yes, so this morning we have with us um, a a couple of the students, three of the students actually from Millstream Teaching Professions. We have Alyssa, Emma, and Kenzie. Okay, so uh, ladies, uh, why a Cornhole tournament? You just decided you were just not good at bowling or... (laughs) Well, honestly, I don't know how cornhole came about, to be honest. I think we, our teacher just kind of sat us down and said, hey, I want to create a cornhole tournament. So we made it happen. Yeah. So, it, But that's really, uh, really cool. And, and uh, obviously, uh, it went well because you're now back for the, uh, for the second one. 
So is this uh, specifically just for the uh, the Millstream uh, kids, or is this open for, for everyone? So this is just for the Millstream students Millstream and students. staff. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. And how many are going to be involved? Do you know? So we have, I think, what, 15 Millstream programs? And all of the programs compete against each other. So it's just kind of a, a big uh-huh. school-wide type of thing. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And, uh, again, a great way to support uh, – the uh, Children's Mentoring Connection. Um, talk a little bit about what CMC is all about and for those who may not be real familiar with the, all of the programs, because there are a number of programs that you have. Right, absolutely. So there's a lot of different ways that you can vo- get involved. So we are a youth mentoring program that serves kids ages 6 to 14. We do um, continue to serve kids up until they've graduated from high school if they're matched. So the programs that we have, um, we have a program called PALS that works with our kids that were waiting to be matched in a community program. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our community program where as a volunteer, you volunteer your your time two to three times a month. You take the kids and do activities, and it can be um, doesn't have to be big activities. It's things like going out to eat and just at lend a listening ear. Um, that support it can be you know going to the park, going fishing, whatever it is. Both of you enjoy doing um, together. And then we also started about seven years ago our school based program, which is another way in which the millstream students, especially the teaching professions, have gotten involved. So that gives them an opportunity to meet some of the young people um, in the school setting, which is what they're looking at going to in the future, mm-hmm. um, and getting involved that way. So we have those in seven different schools. And uh, ladies, you've uh, been involved in uh, those uh, school-based mentoring programs uh, in the past. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the the, the experience, what you uh, guys uh, take away from that. So we just, I don't know, I think it's fun. I enjoy like getting to build that connection with kids and just having mm-hmm. someone for them to talk so, to. So uh, let me let me ask you this, uh, because, again, this is kind of uh, what your your career preparedness uh, aspect of, uh, of all of that. So is it uh, reinforced that or made you rethink that? Um, it's definitely <laughs> reinforced that. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is definitely something I want to do. Yeah. So and because it's it's got to be uh, really cool to uh, to mentor these kids and work with these kids and uh, see kind of the light bulb go on sometimes, you know, right? People can't hear you nod. That's <laughs> what, that's uh, they're nodding over uh, over here, and and uh, we should mention, Stacy, that there are opportunities for more individuals to get involved again at, at many age levels uh, for this. Yes. So um, for mentoring as a volunteer, we will um, work with high school students all the way up to retired folks. So well, and even uh, even you know regular mentoring pairs often involve an entire family. Yes, absolutely. We will take couples, we will take families. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of flexibility as far as what fits into your schedule and what fits into the needs of the kids. And this year, more than ever, we are seeing kids who are just really struggling and need some extra support from the standpoint of everything that's gone on in the last two years. Oh, I think sure. I think all of us could raise our hands and say, yes, we'd like an extra friend, that somebody to, to listen to us and kind of help us out through um, through everything that's been going on and just kind of help. And it also helps the families um, because many of them are single parents or grandparents mm-hmm. uh, in our community program. So it gives them a little bit of a break as well. And uh, as Stacy was uh, mentioning, uh, girls, you uh, 
kind of said the the same thing that you get as much uh, out of this as the uh, kids do yeah yeah no question uh so if folks want to first of all if if folks want to sign up for uh, bowling for kids or do uh, any of the other you know get creative uh, with their uh, fundraisers in conjunction with this how do they do that yeah so we're open to a lot of creativity and fun so not only millstream but um i know like spectrum eye care is doing a cornhole tournament so we have several um, okay several places doing cornhole tournaments very cool but if you give us a call at our um office 419-424-9752 or you can check out our website and register directly there um, for a team or to support a team Uh, you can do that and make a donation to the event or to a team at cmchancock.org and by the way i I know what the uh, millstream uh, cornhole tournament is what uh the 22nd so it's the friday before bowling for kids correct they don't necessarily have to be on that weekend though right no so if you want to do um so like spectrum is doing their tournament sometime in May because okay. they wanted the weather to be really great. Gotcha. Um, so we have a lot of flexibility with within that. So okay. you know, give us a call and we'll we'll help you figure out the right spot. And this is a this is the big fundraiser. This is our critical fundraiser. Yeah. We don't charge families. We don't charge schools for any of our services. Uh, we are a United Way partner agency, but um, our fundraisers are really critical to be able to provide the services. Yeah. And uh, to expand on what we were talking about before too, if you want to learn more about mentoring, getting involved in those programs. Uh, what's the process yes uh just give us a call at 419-424-9752 or our email address is cmchancock.org okay we've got a link up on our webpage too for more information uh on uh, bowling for kids and more benefit the children's mentoring connection stacy shaw thanks very much for dropping by ladies good luck with the uh, cornhole tournament and uh, best of luck is there like some like major competition i mean you're all looking to like really stomp everybody else yes is i'm sure i'm sure have you been practicing and all of that yep (laughs) the challenge is on uh again goodmornings.net to learn more and that will finish up our podcast for today thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning and remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. check us out online at goodmornings.net Coming up tomorrow on the program, at one time, the New York Sun was considered one of America's most influential newspapers. Now it is being relaunched with the aim of helping to restore public trust in the press. We'll talk to the new editor and CEO. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.